Welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. We're so glad you're here. Join us this season as the sisters gather around the mics to share their experiences of God's love through the lens of His sacred word. You can find out more about our work at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at DaughterSTPaul. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. I'm Sister Julie Benedicta. I'm Sister Oriane Pietra Renee. And, and today we are joined by Sister Catherine James. Thank you for coming, Hi, Sister, Sister Catherine. We're Thank so glad you. you're I'm here. glad to be here too. <laughs> it's so fun in the summer we get to nab a bunch of sisters who are in Boston who aren't normally. So it's mm-hmm. really fun to see you and mm-hmm. to have you around. And yeah, it was to... good to be here on retreat and see all the sisters. Yeah. 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 So good. Mm-hmm. Could you introduce yourself a little bit? Maybe tell people where you are and what you're up to? Mm-hmm. Um, my name is Sister Catherine Herms, and I'm presently in Alexandria, our, our community there in Virginia. I'm close there to my parents. Part of it, mm-hmm. my being there, is also looking after my parents. But I'm really excited about a new thing that I'm able to do, and that is to be a part of the Eucharistic Revival. Um, they needed an editorial board member from our community for their content and their newsletter. So I'm really excited about um, being part of that. And we're just starting. So I'm kind of learning my way through that. That's really cool. I didn't know you were doing that. So this is news to me. I'm I'm excited about it. No, it hasn't really been announced yet because I haven't had enough information to announce. Yeah, Um, yeah. But now now we have more information. And what what is the timing of this whole revival thing that's happening? The Eucharistic Revival began in June, the Feast of Corpus Christi. And okay. it's going to continue for four or five years. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's going to conclude with the year of mission. Oh, and cool. there's also going to be a huge um, Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis, I believe. Okay, that I heard about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that they're leading up to. So um, they're, they're kind, it's kind of a grassroots idea. Mm. So they're slowly getting all their ducks in a row. There are 50 preachers who have been designated as Eucharistic preachers for the country. Oh, cool. And they're already beginning to um, line up talks and conferences and retreats. And the idea is from the bishops really to help people understand what is the Eucharist, mm-hmm. why it's important, and and what Eucharistic devotion is. So the idea is not to start a project, but to light a fire yeah, so like that, that the fire keeps on going past these four or five years. Ooh. Yeah. So it's kind of exciting to be a part of that. Yeah. I love that. I love that you, you, you get to bring a little bit of a, like a Pauline yes, angle yes. to it, too. Because the really Eucharist neat. is so important for us. It's so oh, yeah. huge. Yeah. St. Paul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really exciting. Yeah. If people wanted to find out more information, do you know a website or something they could visit? Yes, eucharisticrevival.org. Okay, cool. I'll put mm-hmm. that in the show notes too so people can okay. just click on it. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I'm going to go to that website. I know. I'm yeah. like excited yeah. to go check it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's really great. So do we have any content in the convent? I do. Discussion today? Oh, we do. Okay. We do. So I was actually talking for real with one of um, one of our sisters a couple days ago about old DreamWorks movies, old DreamWorks cartoon movies. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about Joseph King of Dreams and the Prince of Egypt, which will end up, spoiler alert, being very relevant to today's conversation. <laughs> but we were talking about how a lot of, a lot of, older biblical movies age in a particular way, but for some reason, those ones really have not, especially The Prince of Egypt, just has not aged. I would agree with that, yeah. Sister mm-hmm. Catherine, you haven't seen no, it. No, I haven't. Aww. We Okay, <laughs> next time you're here, 
Or no, or even if you have time while you're here, yes. if you ever free, mm-hmm. I am really happy to watch it with you. It's one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. I think that Great. was one of the first times I ever had a real experience as a child of feeling called to pray for someone I hadn't met was after watching that movie. Yeah. Like it really inspired me. Wow. Um, it's a very powerful movie. I used to use the movie when I did, um, I did like remedial sacrament preparation for, <laughs> mm-hmm. for kids. So like I would catch like the middle school and high school kids who hadn't made their first communion um, when I did parish ministry. And so I always used that film as one of the very first things that we did in preparation for first communion to help them to understand what the Passover was mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and to bring them kind of into the space of like why we're doing what we're doing in the Mass and in the Eucharist. It's really mm-hmm. – it's the – the portrayal of the night of the of the Passover is yeah. just like, oh, it gives you chills. Yeah. If you have not seen The Prince of Egypt. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. And this <laughs> is coming from someone who has been on record multiple times that I do not like Bible movies. Mm-hmm. I have said this multiple times on the podcast. Yeah. I do not like Bible movies. I love The Prince of Egypt. Yeah. So if that is not high praise, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Oh, dear. Okay. So since we already spoiled it, you want to share with us a little bit what's our scripture passage today that we're going to be doing? Our scripture passage today is going to be from Exodus, and it's going to be about, obviously, Moses. Yay! And I took two, two sections from from the beginning of the book of Exodus, a little piece from chapter 2 and a little piece of from chapter 3. And the reason for that is often we think of Moses just as Moses and the burning bush. Mm -hmm. But we forget what happened before. Mm -hmm. We forget the very humanness and brokenness and confusion and mistakes, really, that he made. um, So much so that he had to escape for his very life. Um, You know, and then, then here he is. He runs off to the desert. He is taking care of a flock that is not even his own. It mm-hmm. belongs to his father-in-law. So for decades, he's out there probably saying, I really messed that up. I, was, <laughs> I had the big dream of my life. I was raised in the palace of the pharaoh. And look where I am now. You know, look yeah. where I am now. And it's so beautiful the way God um, comes to him mm-hmm. in, in that space and, um, and does not even refer back to the mistakes he made. Mm. And if you look at it in the scripture period, God never refers back to the mistakes people have made. He only says, I have an idea. And guess what? I'm choosing you and you are going to do it. You know, everyone's like, why me? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like Paul and Jeremiah and Moses, he never goes back, never goes back. And um, another reason that this is so important to me in the in the spring in March, I made a 30 day retreat. And, you know, on a 30 day retreat, everything in your life comes up from the day you were born until (laughs) the day you walk into the retreat center. So (laughs) anyway, so I was looking at my life or whatever. I won't give all the details, but. I walked out of the retreat center and down the road and towards Tampa Bay. And I, as I turned the corner, there was this marvelous um, bottle brush tree that was flaming orange. So mm. if you've never seen one, the it doesn't have leaves. It has bottle brushes. And so it was just full of these like extensions of bright orange. And the moment I saw it, I said, the burning Bush. And God said, yes, you are to set my people free. That is your job. That is your vocation. Wow. That is your mission. So stop considering whether you should be somewhere else. 
because that is your mission. And I think just as Moses and just as my little bottle brush experience, um, all of us have these experiences in our life Mm -hmm. in which we wonder, like, where am I? Where am I going? What did I do wrong or whatever? And, um, And God somehow appears in a sense um, in the fire, in the, in the burning bush, and my little um, flaming um, bottle brush tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody laughs when I tell that story, but it was so powerful. Yeah. I got chills when you said and, that. And yeah. everybody has, has those types of experiences. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. think Moses for me is someone who just is someone who spans your entire life mm-hmm. um, so with cool. what he has to teach us. I'm going to so have cool. to look up a picture of bottle brush trees because I, I have no thinking, idea what that is. I was just thinking I should link to one because yeah. if you haven't seen one, really, it does look like a bush on fire. Oh yeah, it really God. does. Yeah, it's really it so, beautiful. I never had seen one before. And all of a sudden, it was like, <gasps> the burning bush. Yeah. Wow. yeah, I'll link to one in the show notes because, yeah, they are mm-hmm. they are quite beautiful. Do you mind reading the passage before we get too far in? Because otherwise, we could... Yes, yes. (laughs) We could have way too much fun and not have read it. Okay. So I'm going to read a few verses from chapter 2 and a few verses from chapter 3. Perfect. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and saw their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, he saw two Hebrews fighting, and he said to the one who was in the wrong, Why do you strike your fellow Hebrew? He answered, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. So Moses fled from Pharaoh He settled in the land of Midian. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and spacious land. Now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. When you put them together like that, like mm. going straight from one event to the other, it feels out of place. Like it feels like, what is God thinking? <laughs> you know? And you can almost kind of feel like why Moses would argue the way that he did, you know, and like feel so. Mm. 
um, incompetent or like make all of his arguments about why he's not the right one for this. And, you know, like, uh, I don't know. There's something about holding them right directly next to each other. That's Mm -hmm. that's just there's a profundity to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Moses didn't really understand who he was Mm -hmm. until he realized how much God loved him. Mm. That God was there to choose him, mm-hmm. um, didn't not to chastise him, but to call him mm-hmm. to be a part of his great dream for his people, and um, and it's only in knowing and experiencing God's love that he eventually began to know and to become who he was created to be, the great Moses yeah. that we know. I like how you pull out that he didn't really know who he was because. Mm-hmm. It's true. His whole life, he was always between people. He never Mm -hmm. belonged to any particular group. Like, Mm -hmm. he was a Hebrew who shouldn't have been alive at the very beginning. And then he was adopted into an Egyptian family, but was a Hebrew. And then when he was among the Hebrews, he killed an Egyptian from, from, you know, that he was being raised by Egyptians. And then he runs out into the desert and marries into a Midian family, but he's not a Midianite. And he doesn't have a flock of his own. He doesn't like it's it's really amazing to see how he never quite fits in anywhere. And then even when God tells him this right after, you know, if you're listening and you keep reading when he gives all of his million reasons why he shouldn't be the one to go. <laughs> Not me, Lord. To, to the point God gets fed up by the end. Like, but like he keeps he cites his mistakes, he cites his failures and he cites his own personal limitations, like things like I am slow of speech, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. even those little things that that to me kind of make it seem like he always felt self-conscious about not quite belonging, not mm-hmm. quite being like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I love how you pull that out, that as soon as God is able to break through that and let him know how much no, he is loved. Then all of those things, although gradually, because he still holds on to some of those doubts for a while, like they all start to not matter because that's not what his identity is mm-hmm. rooted in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet also all those experiences of not belonging, mm-hmm. being in the Pharaoh's palace and all those experiences actually became a part of who he was meant to be. Yes. If he had not yes. had any one of those experiences he would have been less the person he was meant to be. Absolutely. Like even just training in the court, knowing the proper way to address the Pharaoh, knowing how to present himself and, you know, Mm -hmm. like all of those little things that we don't really think of. Mm -hmm. But yeah. 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 And his father-in-law, eventually, as you go through the book of Exodus, I mean, Moses was kind of a bumbling leader in some ways, <laughs> bumbling in the, in the sense of not too organized and not knowing what to do with all these people. But Jethro, you know, his father-in-law mm-hmm. was the one who said, let me tell you what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will help you. Here's how you divide it up. <laughs> yes. Let me teach you about something called delegation. <laughs> <laughs> so every single experience that, that seemed to not be mm-hmm. who he was meant to be or mm-hmm. to be a failure or part of the mess up of his life mm-hmm. actually prepared him for who he was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and like the whole the whole even getting himself in trouble. I've read some things that would say that traditionally you want to break Moses's life into three periods of 40 years. So for 40 years he was in the Egyptian court, for 40 years he was in Midian and for 40 years he was leading Israel. Um, But then other people will say, well, he would have been making his rounds when he was about 25. He would have been doing these like inspection rounds Mm -hmm. and things. So 
I understand the traditional desire, and I know that like there are, there are some places that say that he lived 120 and things like that. But I kind of like picturing him as this 25 year old guy, like full of zeal, like just kind of starting to take on different responsibilities, being tasked with running this inspection route, you know, finding this thing happening, wanting to protect his people, and like having this passion for something and not really totally knowing what it is yet, but he knows that he wants to do something for his people. And this Egyptian, who he ends up murdering, just kind of becomes the collateral damage mm. of that in some ways. Mm. And and almost, oh, there's so much to it. But like, uh, then to find out later that actually this is, that that is a good instinct because that is in fact your vocation. You will be doing this, yes. just not in the way that you think. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and like the irony being that like, He's the great lawgiver, and he's the, he's also the one who who committed these great crimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that he is, but he's mm-hmm. also someone who's been brought. He's been his name means drawn out because he was drawn out of the river, but mm-hmm. he's been drawn into a lot of places. He was accepted into the mm-hmm. the um, pharaoh's family into the palace. Mm-hmm. He was accepted. You know, his mother was able to nurse him for the first few years of his life mm-hmm. just because of shrewd planning. You know, yeah. um, and. <laughs> And then even the way that he becomes a member of Jethro's family, the way that he he protected the women who were there from from these big bullies that mm-hmm. came to kick him away from the well, you know, like he protected them and helped them to do their work. And so that's how he kind of got himself invited into this place with, with Jethro's family. And And so it's like in some ways he doesn't know where he belongs, but in some ways there's something about him that makes people want him there mm-hmm. too, you mm-hmm. know, like – so just kind of these two things for me holding them of like him not knowing who he's supposed to be or what he's supposed to do. But actually there is some instinct there and some yeah. some something, mm-hmm. you know, drawing him to do exactly what God has in plan, but mm-hmm. just not like necessarily the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of wait for those instructions, buddy. And then, <laughs> and then there's the the piece of like not really having a place to belong, but yet still being invited in in so many different mm-hmm. ways mm-hmm. that not everybody would be. You know, Um, and imagine if he hadn't found a people at that well. Yeah. Like, where would he end up? Who knows? You know? Yeah. I like that you draw out that instinct that he must have had. I think for a lot of us, especially when we're at a time where we're trying to, like, find our purpose in life or, like, what we're meant for or who we're meant for or whatever, sometimes we almost feel like we're starting with a blank slate but God gives us the desires mm-hmm. that he will later fulfill, right, through the mm-hmm. through the course of our life and in eternity. And often our vocation or whatever it is we're meant to be working towards is already sown in the desires in our heart. And, yeah, as you're both saying for Moses, like he had a desire to protect and to free his own people. The problem is at the very beginning of this passage that you read, Sister Catherine, he tries to do it on his own. Mm-hmm. And that's... Mm-hmm. Where not only does he get in trouble, but he really does commit a grave sin, despite the fact that the law has not been given yet. Um, and it's in being able to hand that task of freedom and protection over to God and letting God do it through him that it can really be done mm-hmm. and that and that it can be done in a, in a way that will not endanger, you know, his himself or his own life. Um, mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we try to do that, too. We try to do things for God but not with God, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah. Where many times, um, I remember Adrian von Speyer once said that 
um, God gives you a mission and then he takes it away, mm-hmm. you know? And Ooh, so it, there's this beautiful sense. I'm sorry? Can you unpack that a little bit? I'm not sure I understand. There's a lot in there. Yeah. <laughs> I well, love. I mean, I love it, and it I just, also. It just if you think about cringe. it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a cringeworthy statement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of times, like we see things and we want to do things, and our hearts are really into helping somebody or creating this project or whatever it may be. Oh, I see. And mm. um, and many times she says, and I don't think there is really any rational explanation, but she says, and I believe it's true because I've seen it so many times is that God shows you something, but then he doesn't say, okay, take off and do it. Mm. You know, he almost takes the mission away from you in some respects. But I believe from the story of Moses, we can see how God takes it away from us in one way and gives it back to us in another way, as you were talking um, about this, the way in which he says, this is really what I've called you to do. Mm-hmm. You know, this is really how you're going to carry this about. And it's going to be in this way that's way beyond you and something you never could have imagined that you'd be asked to do. And you can't do it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm sending you to do. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, uh, I was, I thought about Paul when I was mm-hmm. first praying with this the other day. Mm-hmm. But now as you're speaking, I'm thinking about Paul even more of mm-hmm. When um, he kind of gets told by the disciples, like, go sit down for a little while, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and he ends up back in Tarsus for like three years just Something waiting awful. to be summoned. Yeah. Like, like mm-hmm. literally just waiting for the apostles to tell him, OK, yeah. now you can go on mission. Mm-hmm. And it's three years. Like, could you imagine, like, for somebody like Paul, like, how torturous that time would have been? <laughs> like, I've thought about that a lot. Yeah, I have to. And, and just to think of like, as you're saying, like to have the mission given, but then also taken away mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like we have to wait until God summons us mm-hmm. to do the mission. Sometimes he'll summon us through other people, mm-hmm. but to do that specific part of the mission that's really like the essence of your life. Yeah. You know, we all do lots of things, but I've always believed there's one thing or one type of um, way of seeing the world, being in the world, or helping the world that each person has that's their real gift from God um, to to others in the world. Mm. And he wants to be the one, mm-hmm. really, to accomplish that in the world. Yeah. And I think, that, I think that touches, Sister Catherine, on the essence of why those things are taken away for a time, because mm-hmm. that is the thing. We talk about, like, healthy detachment as opposed to, like, apathy. The mm-hmm. detachment that reminds us that this is not ours. It's not mm-hmm. our mission. It's not our accomplishment. That mm-hmm. this is something the Lord is entrusting to us, mm-hmm. but it's his, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he's the one who's going to accomplish it in us. Mm-hmm. And we're, through some mystery, this he's inviting us to be part of it for his glory and and for our, our own fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And to know that even that is a gift from him. It's It's not our own. There's like... It frees us actually to to live it out more fully because we don't have to yeah. protect ourselves in it. You know, mm-hmm. we can just we can just trust him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something really purifying yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking too, like, and it's not just like, okay, well, we're sisters sitting in a convent receiving you know mandates to go, to go carry <laughs> out like apostolic missions that are very clear, right? Mm-hmm. In most most times, <laughs> um, but like. Raising children, like the children are not 
so much yours as they are God's, you know, mm-hmm. being a teacher, like the the way that that you end up interacting with the kids or, um, you know, the, the kinds of things that you end up teaching them or helping them to a lot of times is more social skills than the actual content yeah. that you're supposed to be giving. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, like all of these things, like it's actually God's work that's being done there. And if we can step back and kind of almost get out of the way and let him do it through us, there's just something so purifying. And when you see it happen, it blows you away. Yeah. Like you just start, you just end up standing in total awe of God. Connected to that, I think Moses also shows us an arc of development mm. throughout his life. So he obviously started out um, saved from the water. He was a child. He tried to go about his career <laughs> in a certain way. <laughs> Somewhat it didn't quite work out. <laughs> it didn't work out. He wasn't you know, a very good murderer. <laughs> no, 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 he did not hide he the evidence. He couldn't even do it once and he got, hot and he got caught. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, and then he was in the desert and then he was married and then, you know, God called him and he goes, I'm not me. I don't want to go back there. Mm -hmm. But then all throughout his whole life, um, leading the chosen people through the desert and pointing them into the promised land, there's this arc of development of him as, as a person so that at a certain point, I think they said he's the man closest to God or yeah. I Most speak humble. face to face with Moses. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how much I love him. That's how close I am to him. Mm-hmm. And he certainly didn't start out that way. So as you were talking about teaching and parenting, we can hear sometimes these these beautiful things from scripture and go, well, that's not me. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do that. I don't even know how to tell where God's calling me. And and neither did Moses. You know, Moses lived all of these experiences in his life. And I think that's why he's such a cool Mm -hmm. mentor in a sense, um, because God allowed him to grow and God allows us to grow and to change and to he calls us to things that we would never believe we could do. Mm-hmm. And um, and he does that for each of us mm-hmm. in the convent and in the family and in so many careers. And, and it, people in, in business and in careers and administration, we can make such a difference mm-hmm. in the world. And and maybe you, you're saying, well, I don't know how. I don't know how I can really do something for God mm-hmm. in this place and with all the restrictions I have put on me right now. And and I think we can just know there's a burning bush or a bottle brush tree <laughs> in your in your area mm-hmm. in 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 a part of your life. Mm-hmm. And God, if you want to know, God is going to reveal Himself. He's just wanting an open door, an open heart, mm-hmm. um, or else He'll stand in and say, "All right, I don't care. I don't care if you don't want to go. This is <laughs> this is the plan, and you're the man. Go. Yeah, you're the man." <laughs> Yeah, and it doesn't have to be complicated either. It just takes that yeah. little bit of quiet time with the Blessed Sacrament or mm-hmm. that little bit of just kind of openness to, to mm-hmm. God to allow that. It's almost like, for me, it's almost like an itch that just needs to be scratched. Like, mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. see that God is inviting me to do this thing because I just can't get it out of my head. And I just, there's something in me that's just absolutely on fire for it. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's just that that little something that you just feel tugged toward, whether that's a person that you really just need to reach out to. You've realized, like, I act- I need to apologize to that person. I need to mm-hmm. I need to um, check in with them. I need to see how they are, whatever. Sometimes it's just 
correcting a business practice that's going on in your firm or, Mm -hmm. you know, like doing something with a client that is maybe a little bit above and beyond, whatever that is, like just that little something could be God like wanting you to set something on fire in a way that you may not even actually see. Like most of the time, the things that we do for God, like we never see the fruit Mm -hmm. of it, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. we just Johnny Appleseed go around throwing seeds and like, (laughs) you know, like the cartoon and just like walk away and just keep going and just keep throwing the seeds. And um, and then the the trees grow and they they do their fruit. And that's all God's work. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not our that's not our problem. We're not supposed to be turning around and looking at it. That's his deal. So Mm -hmm. that that mystery piece is so is so great. Like like Moses never saw. He never stepped into the promised land. He didn't no, get he didn't. there with the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't see that fruit. Mm-hmm. He yeah. had to trust that God was going to carry it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he had to trust at the very beginning. He just had to start walking to back to Egypt. Yeah. yeah. He didn't know exactly what. All he knew is if he throws down a stick, it turns into a serpent. <laughs> Like, okay, wonderful. I love that. This is kind of cool. What am I going to do with this? He didn't have a, okay, this is what's going to happen. He had no idea. No, in fact, he had the opposite because he said, what's my sign? And God said, your sign will be that you will bring the people here and you will worship me together. And it's like, okay, but that's not really a a sign. (laughs) It's more of like a confirmation like i gotta do all the the work first the end product (laughs) like question mark question mark question mark like (laughs) that's that's cool but is there anything that could come earlier and and i mean not to say that there weren't plenty of i mean even the burning bush itself right he's talking to a burning bush about this thing so (laughs) so yeah plenty of signs but but Mm -hmm. that god says that the sign will be the accomplishment of it you will come here and you will worship me together like Mm -hmm. I I love this whole passage. I love that you had described this earlier, Sister Benedicta, as almost like an itch. Like, you know how when you get itchy out of nowhere, it kind of interrupts you? Like, you stop thinking about what you should be thinking about. And you start being like, oh, man, like, I really need to scratch, like, my nose right now or whatever. <laughs> and I feel like, in a way, God did that. God interrupted Moses. He was literally just doing his job. That's all he mm-hmm. was doing. He was tending the flock. And... I love how he says there you you get his like internal narration. I must turn aside and look at this great sight <laughs> and why the bush is not burned up. Like you can see him being like, Whoa, that's weird. I'm gonna go check that out. Mm-hmm. You know, and that happens to us in our life. We have these moments of, oh wait, there that's not normal. Like something's happening. And he chose to stop what he was doing mm-hmm. and check it out. And I think that is the first thing he does right. <laughs> like yeah. Is paying attention to that interruption. And then when the Lord speaks to him and he has all of these doubts and he's giving all of these reasons he shouldn't do it and he's asking for a sign, God gives him a really freaky sign at first with, you know, (laughs) Moses was holding a staff and snakes in this desert, they're all deadly. There's no garter snakes in this desert. So as soon as as soon as it's describing later in I think in chapter three where his um, his staff turns into a snake like, it actually says he jumps back from it. Mm-hmm. Like, the, it mm-hmm. freaks him out. And then the Lord asks him to, like, reach out and grab its tail. And he does. <laughs> yeah. And actually, that's the part that impresses me the most is that he reaches for that tail because yeah. he knows that snake could kill him. Yeah. Uh, from At least mm-hmm. from all of the things he's ever learned in his life, snakes are deadly. So the fact that first the Lord interrupts him 
gives him a sign that he that was not the sign that he asked for, or at least not the sign that he would have wanted. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the Lord does that a lot to us. Like he shows things to us we weren't expecting him to show, not the way we would have wanted him to do it, not the way we feel comfortable with. But he protects us in that. And ultimately, he does say to all of us, like, your sign will be the fulfillment of this. Your sign will be freedom. Your sign will be life. Your mm -hmm. sign will be you're going to come home to me and you're going to bring others with you. Mm -hmm. That is the sign. That is the fruit. And right relationship with God. Exactly. Like it's actually worship on the mountain that will be the mm -hmm. sign. Like right relationship with mm -hmm. God and communal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you think that didn't go down so well at the beginning either, because when the Israelites first get there, <laughs> Moses heads up the mountain for the Ten Commandments. And the first thing everyone does is like rip off their jewelry and make a golden calf, yeah. like, which didn't turn out so well. Mildly yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But God still fulfilled that mm -hmm. sign, that promise. Yeah. I was thinking, too, of like that that passage that you were referring to earlier, Sister Catherine, when when God says, Basically, he's saying, like, until the Messiah comes, there will not be another like Moses mm -hmm. who will speak to him face to face mm -hmm. in the same way as to a friend. And I was thinking about how um, toward the end, he was so frequently face to face with God that he would glow in such a way that they had to, yeah. like, veil his face. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, like, Moses is the first of the Israelites to receive the name of God. Like, mm -hmm. he had given different names for himself in the past. But this is the first time that he receives this particular name of God. And I was thinking like the reality of name in Hebrew culture and and how much giving someone your name or knowing the name of a thing or giving a thing a name mm -hmm. indicates a relationship and like a depth of understanding of the essence of the thing. Like Adam naming the, the animals in the garden representing his authority over them. Mm -hmm. But then also I kept thinking of the psalm because I was I kind of was holding the the golden calf there in my head too, the psalm where where it's talking about the the idols of the people and where it says they have eyes but they cannot see, they have ears but they cannot hear, they have mouths but they cannot speak, and then it goes on to say, and their makers will come to be like them. Yeah. And it's so incredible because for us it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's and we will become to be like our maker. Mm -hmm. Like it's just mm -hmm. such a beautiful like. On the one hand, it's a tragic twisting when it comes to the idols, but it's such a beautiful untwisting of that understanding of like who is God, his intimate relationship with us, giving us his name, this like metaphysical mystery that we're still kind of picking apart thousands of years later. <laughs> and like, and he wants to make us like him mm -hmm. in that way. And it's just so incredibly cool. When you talked about the radiance on Moses' face, I was thinking about the burning bush again. Mm. So this experience that he had and then all the other experiences throughout those years in which he was with the chosen people ended up, he himself became this manifestation of the presence of God, yes. of light and radiance. And those they could see in Moses the presence of God with them. Mm -hmm. and um, And each one of us, can also be that radiant presence for other people, you know, mm -hmm. to find God in their life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and as you're saying that, I'm thinking too, like, I was thinking strictly of like Moses becoming like God in that moment. But as you're yeah. speaking, I was thinking, and he spoke to God face to face. But when we talk about adoration, like yeah. the root of that phrase is mouth to mouth. Mm -hmm. Like we get... <laughs> 
that close mm-hmm. with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, we have mouth to mouth with God and like how much more he can make us into his own image mm-hmm. for people and mm-hmm. just like how beautifully he has taken everything, not only full circle, but like full circle and like five layers deeper, you know, like mm-hmm. just so incredibly cool. Mm-hmm. I think that's a beautiful analogy, even the root of that phrase, because I know we might think of things like CPR, but I think the thing that really comes to my mind is, you know, when a baby is kind of learning to speak and their parent is holding them and often they'll like lean right up against the face of the parent and they'll put their hands on the parent's lips and like feel what they're saying and try to say it back. And like, yeah, very close, like butterfly kisses, like, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of close. And in a sense, even in this passage, that is what the Lord is doing with Moses. I was always so struck when God tells Moses to take the sandals off his feet because he is on holy ground. Mm -hmm. And there are so many layers to that, um, a lot of explanations about different things that that can entail or mean. But one of the things that strikes me the most is that the Lord is, is reaching down to touch this earth. He has touched the bush. He has set it aflame without consuming it. And as he is touching that area of the earth, he's asking Moses to touch it too. He takes the the barrier between him and the thing that the Lord is touching off so that he and the Lord are touching the same thing in a sense. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that is so indicative of what the incarnation would be, that the Lord would come and touch the very thing that we were touching and ask us to touch the very thing that he was touching. And in adoration, we're asked the same thing. In the Eucharist, we're asked the same thing. Even in the word, um, to allow it to penetrate our hearts, we're asked the same thing. In our baptism, the indwelling, we're asked the same thing. Mm-hmm. And and here is where we really see it come to life for the first time. It's so humbling that this very thing is what the Lord invites each one of us into, to take the sandals off our feet, to take our shoes off, to put our feet on the same soil he is standing on. Mm-hmm. I once saw that the definition of worship is to draw close to kiss. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. That same intimacy that God is really um, offering each of us. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really beautiful. And actually, that's a really beautiful um, nod to, oh, shoot, where is it in the in the letters? Is it in Peter? I'm blanking. Where they say, greet one another with a brotherly kiss. Is that mm-hmm. Peter? Mm-hmm. Um, But that's really beautiful, too, because not only is it an an acknowledgement of us being one as a family, but also the presence of God within each person, right? Does anybody have anything burning to add? I see the pun. You see it, right? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Oh, no. I'll take that as a no. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we could just take a second to reflect and, and consider what our one takeaway might be, something we might be going away to pray with a little bit more or some special highlight from the conversation. I think for me, my takeaway is actually something you said, Sister Catherine, of um, really recognizing that each of us are, in a sense, called to be a reflection of the Lord's presence, like the way that Moses glowed, <laughs> like the burning bush glowed. Um, And I just really feel called to look for that in others, like are other people what the Lord is using to to speak to me um, and to really pay attention to noticing that and to to dropping everything 
if it comes into my path rather than carrying on my my merry way. I was very impressed by standing on the same ground as God, touching the same things as God and realizing that wherever I am, God is also already there, standing in the same place, um, being in the same situation that I might be in, touching the same things. And so everything, everyone, every situation in some way is sacred. Mm -hmm. What's coming to me is um, kind of what you said at the very beginning, Sister Catherine, of like that God doesn't point out all of the failures in the midst of the call. Like he doesn't refer back to them at all. And I was thinking in our last episode with Sister Bethany, when we were talking about Lazarus, mm -hmm. she pointed out that Jesus calls Lazarus by his name. He, she doesn't call him, hey, dead one, come here. You yeah. know? <laughs> she, <laughs> he calls him by his name. And, and she pointed out, like, you know, Jesus always calls us by our name. It's the evil one who calls us by our sin. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so I think I'm just kind of like this theme seems to be coming out right now. So I think I'm going to mm -hmm. be praying with that for a little bit extra to see what the Lord has for me in that. For our closing prayer, um, we will pray a prayer for enlightenment, and this is a traditional one. Many of you may know it, so please feel free to pray along. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. And kindle in them and the, the fire, fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created. And, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, you instructed the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesus, Master, way, truth, and life. Have, have mercy, mercy on us. Queen of the Apostles, pray, pray for us. St. Paul the Apostle, pray, pray for us. Thanks so much, Sister Catherine, for yeah, coming to be you. with us. I'm thank so you. glad we caught you. <laughs> and thank you to everybody for listening. Um, we will be back in two weeks. God bless you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is a fruit of the Daughters Project. This initiative of the Daughters of St. Paul to spread the gospel online is made possible by our generous Patreon supporters. Consider joining us in our mission by contributing to Patreon today. You can find us at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. God bless you.